Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ausbiz Live from our Barangaroo Studios. Great to have your company for the next hour or so for the call. Uh, Ten salts picked by you. Uh, I put them to our expert panel. We do it uh, all in one hour. And uh, let's check in with the panel um, who are, are, are feeling not shoddy at all, but a bit cricket hungover, I think, from uh, all the goings on last night. What a great Ashes test win that was. Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets in the West. I'm thinking probably the time difference works more for you than in the East. Yeah, look, I only had to stay up to like just after 2 a.m. Uh, last night, but watched every ball. Very exciting, and uh, congratulations <laughs> to the to the to the. Yeah, um, was it great? Oh, Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. That means you had to stay three to four, did you? That's it. I mean, I was drifting in and out of consciousness by that stage. Um, <laughs> I'd be disappointed when it was raining and they had to push it back a couple of hours. But yeah. it was good, nevertheless, worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully the, the Blues can win tonight. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, it's a, a big couple of nights in sport, isn't it? All right, uh, let's look at the sport of investing on the share market. And um, this half hour, uh, the five stocks we're going to cover that you want us to cover. Uh, Commonwealth Bank, Pentanet, uh, G8 Education, Coles and Domino's. Um, I thought stock of the day today, one that has been absolutely mauled is uh, Bubs. And they had an update um, out today saying they're on track (coughs) to meet all regulatory milestones for permanent access to the US market. This as it tips full year revenue stateside to come in at the upper end of guidance between 20 and $22 million. Company is waiting for FDA's written audit compliance report in the coming weeks. Let's see how the stock is doing today. And as you can see, off a very low base, uh, it is up a little bit. Uh, Michael Wayne, um, Bubs, all sorts of pain at the moment. Will this news turn it around? It has today. Um, whether or not it continues <coughs> to be seen, I think investors have been starving or starved for some positive information coming out of this business. And this is probably the first step in that direction, um, essentially undertaking a strategic review of their whole business, mainly their operations going into China. Um, they have had some poor turmoil in recent times, which certainly hasn't yep. helped things. Founder and chief executive yeah. um, out. So effectively, um, they're conducting this review. They've got this large customer out of China called AZ Global, which by the sounds of it essentially helps them distribute into the Chinese market. Uh, but what it has caused for the business is a big build up in, in stockpiles and inventory. Uh, and that you know, has created a bit of uh, headaches for the company as well. Look, it's not a, a company that we own. Um, I'll need to see a lot more positive signs coming out of this business before I was 
um, tempted to get involved. The chart looks yeah. horrendous as well. Look at that chart. You know, it was riding the China wave, wasn't it? 2018, 2019. Uh, then the trade war started. Then COVID started. And um, it's been downhill through uh, through COVID because I couldn't do many exports as well. Uh, and the bit blap, uh, blip up about a year ago was when they... They went in as the, the saviour to the US, didn't they? Yeah, because that's right. the, the biggest baby formula manufacturer had some uh, uh, contamination issues. And uh, even Joe Biden uh, wrote Bubs a letter and mentioned them yeah. in a press conference saying they were coming to the rescue of uh, American babies. Yeah, that was um, a, a big boost for them in the short term. Yeah. Uh, but there's been so many cycles with this infant milk formula sector overall or yeah um, you have to go back around 2016 2015 when you had bellamy's a2 milk yep barb's sort of listed around that time that was the really the hype stations um for that sector overall mm. and really you'd have to say that it's never really lived up to all that hype and oh, all that big game yeah. uh carl what's your view on the the bubs news um you would never wouldn't even look at the chart in that condition, would you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you want me to really sugarcoat this one, Koshi? I yeah, mean, nah. it just looks terrible. And it's a great example of uh, why technicals do matter. I I heard I heard on this show earlier in the week, Koshi, that technicals don't matter. Oh, who from? Uh, oh, well, maybe go back and check the tapes. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay. Uh, who was it? Come on. It was Gaurav. Gaurav. Uh, Gaurav. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, but I just think if you can't, if you, I'm sure Gaurav's very good at what he does, but if you can't do the same uh, detailed research that Gaurav does to understand, you know, the valuations of a company, then the chart is the next best thing that anybody yep. can do. Anybody can look at a chart and say that, well, look, right now, whatever I might think about it, the market doesn't like it. Um, so, and, I, and just because the market doesn't like it now doesn't mean it won't like it in a few months. And, you know, I can come and look at it when it starts to go back up. And I don't yeah. mind missing out a little bit. I don't have to buy things at the bottom all the time. I mean, um, if it's 15 cents and I have to buy it at 25 cents because it's starting to turn back up in the trend, um, you know, that's okay. I'd rather do that than buy it at 15 and see it go to zero, yeah. which, which, you know, is an outside possibility for this. Because as you said in the start, they've just got so many problems at the moment. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's get on to a stock that's slightly more different at the other end of the uh, the scale, Carl. Um, and um, um, who's uh, I'm just Richard. Uh, that's right. Richard wants a view on Commonwealth Bank. Uh, Richard says I'm looking to reduce my position in CBA. A market mm-hmm. movement suggesting that it is better to do this before June 30 or wait until into July. Yeah, look, that's a really interesting question. And I uh, must admit, when I got the list uh, for today, you know, I started doing my usual research on yeah. Commonwealth Bank, but I probably should have paid more attention to the question. Because what I have the ability to do, Koshi, is to take all the history of Commonwealth Bank, and I've got a tool that does this for me, yeah. and then convert it into a seasonal chart. Oh, so no. I'll be able to see over how you know, generally I can get, you know, data back to the beginning and the data and this will go back to 1991 when right. it first listed um, and I can see over that time so what's that uh, 30 years now how the stock performs each month super oh. interesting I, I didn't do the research I promise I will do this though um, and I will uh, I'll put it on, on my Twitter so okay. for Richard uh, stay tuned to Twitter and I'll give you a bar chart showing exactly how Commonwealth Bank tends mm. to trade on average over each month okay? oh, great. 
Yes, but I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. Because the question is, should I sell now or wait for July? And when I have that uh, analysis, yep. I'll be able to tell Okay, what, what do you think of Combank at these levels? Yeah, though? well, it's, you, know, you know it's not my favourite bank because it, it really does trade at a huge PE premium, evaluation premium to all the other ones. I've said in the past, I think I was on maybe around March or February, and I said, okay, all the banks are overvalued. Commonwealth Bank is the most overvalued. Um, they, they have come down. They got back to fair value, which was amazing. They were all sitting at fair value for a while, and now they've popped back up. We know the banks are probably up, what, 5 6% over the last, yep. say, uh, 12 trading sessions. So I think they're back into that realm of just being on a little bit of an expensive side, but at least they're not at the crazy valuations they were um, back at the start of the year. So um, if you putting Richard aside for a second, if you, everybody else, look, I think they're okay now because we don't have that huge valuation overhang, but they're still not the most exciting thing for me, Koshi. I think, you know, they suit a particular type of investor who wants nice a nice yield in their super fund. But, you know, think, the think markets clients that follow me, they tend to want growth and a little bit of excitement and a little bit of momentum in the chart. So, but you self-managed super funds, I'm okay. I'm going to hold on Commonwealth Bank. Um, if you want something more exciting, then no, you would not be looking in the banking sector. Okay. All right, Michael. Um, so just looking at the question, um, whether it's a good time to sell either now or July, one thing to keep in mind is that CBA pays its dividends or goes ex-dividend in Feb and in August right. of every year. Right. So I think you might find that people would be reluctant to be selling the CBA shares now because you basically held the stock 10 months of the 12 month cycle. And if you hold for another couple of months, you'll get your, your dividend for the rest of the year. So that's probably one thing to, to keep in mind. And I wouldn't be surprised if the seasonal weakness came in after that ex-dividend ex -dividend date in around September. Right. Um, but as a, as a business overall, the banks have had a, a bit of a renaissance uh, in the last couple of weeks, had a, a nice rally, CBA's back above $100. Well, is that, is that a shift back to safety or people yeah. think, investors think increasing interest rates means better interest margins? Yeah, that, look, that could be part of it. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to know. Um, right. it's, you've had a lot of fund managers, institutions sitting on a lot of cash. It could be the fact that they're being brought into the market reluctantly short covering those sorts of things. We obviously had a bit of a banking scare going back a few months in the US that seems to have subsided. So all those factors might play into it, but it's definitely been noticeable and the index has been buoyed off the back of that. Um, but CBA, look, it trades on a premium to its peers. It's got a very good loan book. It's, it's earnings growth, dividend per share growth has been a lot more consistent than the other banks. Um, you know, very robust balance sheet, the potential for further buybacks. So all that sort of stuff is very supportive of CBA. It's sometimes I can sound ideologically negative on the banks, but I'm not. I just find them very expensive at the moment, trading over two times book value, 17, 18 times earnings, dividend yield below 4%. So for the share prices to keep going up, you really need dividend per share to be increasing as well. Otherwise, you end up with CBA trading on a dividend yield of 35 3%. Right. Right. which rationally doesn't really make sense when you can get a, a three-year corporate bond for Commonwealth Bank maturing in three years' time, paying five and a half, six percent 6%. So on a valuation basis, I don't think the banks make sense and I don't think CBA makes sense. So we prefer investments elsewhere. That's not to say we would never buy banks, just at the moment they're very expensive. Right. Okay, all right. So not for you. Not for me. All right, uh, Ada wants to view Michael on Pentanet, a, a telecommunications company into uh, uh, it's an internet service provider, but 
um, in a lot of niche markets, gaming, technology services in Australia. Comes out the day that uh, the authorities uh, blocked the uh, TPG uh, deal with Telstra as well. Um, Michael, what do you think of Pentanet? Yeah, I'd never heard of this one. It's a small business, 28 mil market cap, but doing some reading into it, it is quite interesting. Effectively, they've come up with a form of wireless internet, which is, you know, at which can deliver speeds well in excess of Wi-Fi and even um, Ethernet as well. Um, it looks like they're trying to target the niche market of gamers, given the speedy internet that's available. They've put together a deal with Optus to provide um, some of NVIDIA's software and technology to their customers. They've got about 300,000 subscribers. This isn't paying customers. This is people that are interested in this sort of company and these sorts of speeds. But so far to date, it just doesn't look like they've been delivering the kind of numbers that they were hoping to achieve. Um, for mine, it's just really a reseller of internet or internet service provider. It's obviously a very competitive market. The, the niche that they're targeting is quite small relative to the rest of the market. They do argue that it removes the need for the NDN in many parts of Australia. Yeah. given they can deliver these very high speeds and it's less invasive. You don't have to put the cabling in and dig up the ground and all those sorts of things. So interesting business, interesting technology, but I'd have to do a lot more reading to get excited about it. Uh, yeah. And the share price tells you that things aren't really going to plan so far yeah. for the company in its early infant stage. Yeah, big boost, Carl, wasn't it? Uh, when it floated a couple of years ago and uh, wow, it's a shadow. Its share price <laughs> is, is a shadow of itself back then. It, it just has gone down almost exclusively over the entire time. It had a small run up uh, at the beginning of its listing. But when we say niche, I mean, this is a Perth-based internet company. Mm. Uh, I'm, I wasn't aware that it has any operations on the East Coast. I'm happy to stand corrected on that. Uh, but my understanding was it was it was Perth-based. So it's, it's a niche in a small market like Perth. And I'm, again, I'm happy to stand corrected on that, but that's my understanding of it. Um, it, it just it provides a solution, um, a, a fast solution th that is available only in certain places because you need uh, to have direct sight of the, the towers. Um, and the uh, NVIDIA angle is uh, slightly different. They've got the license to provide the services for that online gaming uh, which mm. is, allows you effectively to play any Xbox title. So that's that's interesting. They've just signed that deal with Optus, but you know they haven't really made a fist of the rest of the business, and that concerns me. So whilst you might say, well, there's some upside there through, you know, uh, online gaming, and that's one of those little catchphrases, isn't it? That uh, people have, have. It's another fad, I guess, um, or theme that people have loved over the last few years that hasn't turned out. Where you know the promise hasn't been delivered, I'd be very cautious. Um, but again, that's all talk. At the end of the day, I cannot possibly tell my clients to buy a chart like that because it's just there's so many things that have gone wrong that could go wrong, and um, you know you have to understand. Again, lots of people go, "Oh, well, that must be cheap." It was a dollar. Now it's eight cents, and the market just doesn't work like that. There's a reason why it's eight cents. Uh, people uh, who are looking to buy the business have done their DD, and they don't want to buy it. And the people who own the stock, they don't want to own it. So I can't be an owner either. I, look, I, honestly, I wouldn't say sell though, because I mean, you're, you're getting, you've still, you've only got like a few cents in the dollar left of your original investment. So yeah, but like, Carl, Carl, you've, Carl, come, you've come this, you've come this far. Yeah. I mean, you've literally lost ninety-eight cents in the dollar. So 
It is it is it is June though. So if you've made yes, okay. uh, made money throughout the year on other stocks, following your charts and your advice, and you you've got in and <laughs> out, and you've got in, so, in yeah. and out, and banks and profits, and your accountant saying, okay, let's look at the tax return for this year on capital gains and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, this would be prime, wouldn't it? If you've written yeah, look, this I down. Guess, yeah, if you took that wee bit nano call from earlier in the year, and maybe you'd uh, be selling this one to yeah. um, offset some some of the gain there. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, it's an opportune yeah. time. But get, get, get your own advice, of course. This is just general. Um, yes. Our next stock, uh, Carl Dean wants a view uh, on G8 Education, operates over 400 childcare centres uh, around Australia, portfolio of 21 brands. Um, what do you think of G8? I think they're doing it tough at the moment, aren't they? So the big problem for uh, childcare centres generally, of course, it's just labour shortages, yeah. lack of trained staff. And then, of course, they're having to pay everybody more to get them to retain them. And there's a, one of their biggest problems is obviously you're trying to get new people in, but it's the retention of existing staff. And there's quite a big churn at the moment because there's so much competition um, for, for them. And it's just, look, I think in the right environment this could be one you could happily buy but i just think there's just a few more uh, headwinds than tailwinds at the moment i think the chart's kind of reflecting that so um, it's one that i often say on the show look i actually I, I like the business model i think it's very defensive and i think um obviously as we're all working more and more right now then um, there's certainly a, a high demand for this and as times get tough we have to work more and more, so there's, yep. again, going to be high demand for this. So it ticks the box there. In terms of the valuation, uh, I ran the numbers. It actually looks really, really good. So um, it came out – let me find my numbers here. It came out with a, a price target uh, of $1.23, which is about a 20% upside. Right. Um, and that's using a very low PE uh, target of 11, so very high hurdle rate I applied on this. Um, so, so all those – boxes are ticked. And then, you know, often I come on the show and I say, oh, I like the business. Um, I think it's really cheap. And then I get to the chart and I go, oh, well, mm. there's not much I can do about it right now. So it's one I'll certainly keep an eye on. And I think we can start to just move that little bit higher. And you can see what I'm doing with my hand. It's not just about going up. It's about going, you know, the, 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 the price appreciations are greater than the pullbacks. Yep. And then the price appreciation is greater than the pullbacks. It's just telling you that we, we buy, you know, the money comes in, the market buys it up, and then it has to pull back. Of course, you know, things pull back. But on that pullback, there's more demand than supply to allow it to push higher again. So if I see that sort of pattern coming in, I could certainly um, add some, but it's just not there yet. Mm. Uh, Michael, this is a company in an area that hasn't taken a trick, is there? You mm. look at that five-year chart, COVID hits, so all the childcare centres close, and that sort of rolling closures for two years, two and a half years, did nothing then all of a sudden you start getting the wage rises through as uh, the Treasury goes, yep, you can have a wage rise, you can have a wage rise, we'll lift the minimum wage, and it ripples through, and it gets hit by that just when yeah. it starts to reopen again. And interest rates going up, oh, meaning that yeah. families you know, haven't got as much money to spend on things like childcare, maybe they go less days per week. So that in, look, in some ways that's very true in recent times, but this company, made its own bed in many ways. Um, it, going back even on a sort of longer term chart, you'll see this was a real market darling. Yep. They were a roll up acquisition model. They went and bought, you know, hundreds of private childcare centers 
on very low multiples, you know, often three, four times earnings, um, incorporated into their model, and then sort of got that reflected at the market multiple of whatever it was at the time. Yep. So they had this exponential um, revenue growth, earnings growth, but a lot of it was funded by debt. And then over time, as the low hanging fruit was picked up, they became, it became more difficult to yeah. find you know, attractive childcare operators on low multiples. So they had to continue to pay more and more to keep that roll up model going. So now they've got 420 different childcare centers across I think 20 odd different brands. Um, they were, I think, you know, seven, eight dollars even there at one point. They've came back a long, long way because they ran up a lot of debt, um, and the returns that they were deriving from those investments weren't coming through as much as the earlier um, developments or, or those earlier acquisitions that they took on. So, yeah, look, the business is operating in a difficult space. It's it's not as scalable as you would think, just because you need certain number of headcount per number of children. In the childcare operator, there's all the different layers of, of red tape and regulation that need to be met. So it can be quite complex. And as you can see, you can't just ratchet up prices because right. people pull out of childcare. Um, their they, occupancy even rates. There's subsidies. Yeah, there's still, subsidies. It's still very expensive. Yeah. Um, I think occupancy is around 70%, 71% across their business. So there's still potential for you know taking on a lot more people than they are at the moment yeah. uh, for whatever reason they can't get the staff it's too expensive for people to send them right. to so yeah i think there's still challenges for this company and although it looks relatively cheap there are probably good reasons for that okay carl uh yeah i'm, I'm going to squeak in at a hold but the, the chart is not great it's yeah, if it, if it was to close, say, below, I'll just give you a bug out point. So I'm talking to somebody who's got it, who's suffering, and might think, mm, should, I, should I just sort of give it a little bit more time? I think you can, but if it was to close below, say, 98 cents, I think you've given it enough time. It's time to right. move on. Okay. All right. That's a, that's a, good, uh, a good line to draw in the sand. Um, Shirley wants a view, um, Carl, on Coles, the... Uh, the giant supermarket group. We had Woolies yesterday on um, on the call with uh, uh, Philip Pepe and, and Rudy Philip Van Dyke. Both had uh, a hold on Woolies, but Philip reckoned Coles was his preferred of the two. Okay, well that's interesting. Maybe we'll do a little bit of a, a supermarket a technical overview. I won't review yep. all the fundamentals of them, but I think actually I'd probably go Woolworths. Actually, that ah, that chart looks really good. Right. Uh, putting aside all the fundamentals, just looking pure technicals. Actually, the Woolworths chart looks looks quite interesting. Um, the Coles chart is a bit ho hum, and then what should we do? Maybe a Metcash. Yeah, no, that one looks pr that one looks pretty horrific. So often people go to Metcash because it's the quote unquote cheaper alternative. And yep. by that I mean it's three dollars sixty, right? So you can get more shares uh, compared to you know Woolworths, which you know is obviously you're paying you know forty bucks for Woolworths and Coles, you're paying a bit more. So don't look at uh, that's the worst thing you can do, Koshi, uh, yep. for the uh, un un uninitiated and go oh a share. At three dollars, I can buy more off yeah, them. Nah. Um, more shares of them, obviously, for the same amount of money. So, no, Woolworths uh, stand out in this space, the best looking from a technical perspective. I'd actually be happily happy to buy some Woolworths here. Um, mm. Coles uh, is is more of a hold. It's 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 a solid hold, but I don't think it's as attractive on the technicals. Um, I didn't do the comparison in terms of the valuation because I didn't know I need to. And uh, 
you know, I don't yeah. think it matters so much. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's just probably my preferred pick in the space based on the technicals. Coles, I think it's fine. It's very defensive. I just don't think there's a lot of value there. I think the only risk maybe, because um, we've seen the market actually do really well over the last few days, we know the US market is going gangbusters for their own very specific set of circumstances. Mm. But, you know, fingers crossed, yeah, we're turning the corner. We're heading into a bit of a new bull market. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. I'm not sure the demand for these defensive types of stocks mm. will be as good over, you know, if that occurs as it has yeah. been over the last 12 to 18 months. I think a lot of these stocks are trading at a bit of a quality and a bit of a sleep at night premium. Yeah. And maybe they just might struggle a little bit. I'm not saying they won't go up, but relatively speaking to some of the growth plays out there, they may just struggle a little okay. bit. Well, I can certainly go hold on calls. As I said, the chart's not too bad, but I Hmm, interesting growth stocks coming back on the agenda. Uh, Michael, what do you reckon of Coles? Yeah, look, it's it's not a bad environment for, for Coles and same going for Woolworths. Um, Coles trades on a lower PE than Woolworths. Um, it's actually probably made a better fist of it in recent times in terms of winning market share slightly away from, from Woolworths. But if you look at the overall market, Coles probably has around 30% of the market share, Woolworths around 36, Audi about 9%. Um, but there is definitely competition in that space, which has driven margins lower over the last decade. Uh, we used to have some of the highest margins, if not the highest margins in the world for, for supermarkets. That changed a lot with the emergence of Audi. So you can thank Audi to some extent for that. Um, there's no doubt inflation is having an impact for the average shopper. Uh, the, the shopping mix of people has changed a lot. Home brands are really sort of booming at the moment and Audi's actually got the home brands that people are gravitating towards the most. Whether or not that remains sticky after sort of things return to normal remains to be seen. So they're not without challenges, these supermarkets, but what you're getting is because inflation is so high, that's just effectively getting passed through to the customer. Mm. Um, so you're seeing sort of some decent sales growth numbers but none of that's driven by volume or only a very small amount driven by increase in volume despite increased population. And it's all coming through from these price rises. Which a Reserve Bank pointed out in its minutes saying- That's uh, right. Lots of businesses passing on more than the, uh, the increase in inflation and that's feeding back into the overall figure. And that's the reality, but they're in a very dominant position, yes. these companies, so they can get away with that. They're able to protect themselves in these inflationary I think, environments. I think that's called, gou I think that's called gouging, culture. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the technical term. Yeah, Reserve, Reserve, Reserve Bank didn't use those words, but yes, effectively, <laughs> that's the, the definite, they use the definition. So, yeah, that look, that's just the reality of the situation. And the, it's more of a cyclical benefit that these companies are facing rather than a long-term benefit in, in my view. So you can understand why people gravitate towards these businesses in these times. But again, I just think there's probably better growth elsewhere. Right. Because I think longer term, the competition story and that race to the bottom is still playing out in this space. Mm. Every time sort of Coles gets one up on Woolworths, you then see Woolworths sort of come back with a campaign of its own. And there's this whole back and forth, which really is ultimately driving down the margins right. for these companies and forcing them to invest in new distribution centers, new technologies, just to make that process more efficient. So happy to go a hold, just given the environment, right. um, but not a buy. Okay. All right. Uh, our fifth stock um, that is up for this half hour, Shabir wants a view, Michael, on Domino's. Uh, Shabir saying, quality stock with good management. Is it cheap enough, cheap enough to buy? 
Well, the, um, the management's been under a bit of question, haven't they, over the last yeah, year or so, and impact of inflation and some of the decisions? A few um, sort of fallen market darlings today on the show. Domino's yeah. meets that criteria. They did an amazing job in Australia in basically beating Pizza Hut um, going back, you know, 10 years or so now. Um, effectively, they just rolled up Domino's in, you know, all different locations, ensuring very quick delivery times. They also, off the back of that, rolled out very good interactive technology for the, for the customer, which enabled them to track their delivery, even getting, you know, photos of your pizza just as it was about to be delivered and, and once it was finished. So that had a great run off the back of that rollout strategy. They had some very, very good margins, built enormous economies of scale. They then went and tried to replicate what they'd done in Australia overseas <coughs> in places like Europe, Germany, even places like Italy, believe it or not, and also places like Japan. And those expansions into those different territories and, and geographical locations has proven quite difficult um, to say the least. The Aussie business continues to hold up quite well, but the overseas growth numbers have consistently really underwhelmed, I think. Um, and then obviously they've been confronted by um, the inflationary pressures and the costs of inputs going up. Yep. So they were forced to increase pizza prices. Um, that had an obviously an adverse impact on volume. They've now tried to correct that to some extent. They're trying to sort of bring back bring down prices again to try and boost up the volume, but they're trying to play around at the edges, but they're caught between a, a rock and a hard place at the moment because mm. the most recent set of numbers were a big disappointment. Um, you had sort of sales down a fair bit. Some of the regions were down enormous amounts. Profits were down, you know, 20, 25%. So right. it's obviously going through a challenging time and I just don't see that turning around immediately anytime soon. So I'm happy to go sell on Domino's. Okay. Um, Carl, what do you think Domino's? Because it's its management was so highly regarded, weren't they? Before, you know, the uh, the big drop down in February was when they said, "Oh, we're being hit by inflation and food inflation and all that sort of stuff," and they've been hit by the wage rises too. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, great observation slash comment it, it, you know, the share price was going gangbusters not that long ago mm. and that's when we were all saying what great management what great foresight they had to I guess navigate that uh, era just immediately after the pandemic yep. and really become the champion of um, of when we you know we, we weren't as uh, mobile we were still able to um, pick up the phone or get on the internet and buy a couple mm. of Domino's pizzas at a reasonable price um, and then, of course, uh, you see this just just night and day, black and white shift between when inflation started to be a problem yeah. and the idea of getting a couple of pizzas for 30 bucks and a garlic bread and a couple of litres of Pepsi uh, wasn't uh, as profitable for them. And of course, then uh, management doesn't look so good, does it? Mm. I mean, this is the this is this problem I have with with sort of measuring management. Uh, they're good when they're good and then they're not good when circumstances change. Um, and we can see the price uh, fall, Koshi, from 100 and 
$167.15 was the absolute high. And it it turned the corner. You know my traffic light system on my Mm. charts, right? So it goes green, which is good. Then it went amber. It started to fall. So around about 130, it turned amber, which is, okay, you need to be really careful now. And if it breaks below the amber zone, uh, and it did that around 120, it's, hey, you should not be in this anymore. Um, And if you used, again, this is technicals versus fundamentals. I'm not going to get into a big debate here, but you didn't need to do any analysis of the company's fundamentals. You didn't need to understand the valuation. You didn't need to decide whether management was good or bad. You didn't need to know about inflation or what was going to happen to interest rates. You just made a simple decision based upon something that you can see, and it's not subjective. It's very objective. And I think that's what's so hard about investing is this so much subjectivity. Is it cheap? Is it expensive? Is it good management? What's going to happen in the future? I love this. I love what technicals give you as potentially this objectivity. I don't really understand what's going on, but I know it's dropped below the the, the orange zone, and I just need to get out for now. I can always get back in if it starts to go back up. The the chart will go back to green, and I might miss out on a few bucks in the meantime. But at least I've got that peace of mind that whilst it's heading down, I don't need to worry about it. It's still heading down. I don't think you need to worry about it. I'm not saying – I'm actually going to go hold on this. This might surprise a few people. Because if you just look at the basic chart that we, we show on Ausbiz, that line chart, yeah. it looks horrendous. But if you can zoom in and look at some of the candles and the volume, and I think that last little low after that last announcement, which I view as a bit of a clearing the decks announcement, they closed down Denmark. They're, they're offloading a bunch of underperforming stores. You know, they're cutting back significantly on costs. And you look at the way the market responded to that with a gap down mm. and then initially a huge sell-off on that day. Massive, massive volume. So the set of, I think that final bit of selling came in and then I think the buying that on that day came in to move the, the low of the day or from the low of the day it came up to close near the highs and since then we've seen white candles coming in which means yes it's dipping down but the fund managers are starting to buy back or it could be the short sellers coming back right. and that's part of the puzzle part of the puzzle to a stock turning around almost the first thing you need is the short sellers to say we've we've done enough Right. Okay. And the way you close that a short is to buy. So the short sellers will come in and they'll buy buy back their shorts first, and then possibly things die down, and then the, the other fund managers start to buy as hopefully okay. we start to believe that the, the right. downgrade cycle. You're a hold, but uh, on I'm, G- I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a hold here. Yeah. All right. On G8 Education, you said sell if it gets to 98 cents. Yep. Give me a price you would start buying Domino's. Uh, like, okay, so I give you, give you a price. You would, you would. My thesis is wrong, and you would sell it, and that's right. below the, the low from the other day, forty seventy five. Right. Because beneath there, that's where the demand starts. If we're beneath there, guess what? That demand's gone by definition. You right. can't be there if you're trading below that. That demand's gone. Bug out. Get the hell out. It's not. It's not good. Yeah. If it, I'm going to say if it starts to move back, I think $50 is a really nice, neat, round psychological number. If right. it starts to move back above that, like I said, with the white candles and those high peaks and troughs, I think it's a speaky mm. buy. But we're still a ways away from that. Okay. All right. Good one. Thank you, Carl. Uh, let's recap the first five stocks plus stock of the day. Bubs, uh, a no from both Carl and Michael. Uh, CBA, a hold from Carl. Four particular investors, um, not necessarily his followers or think market clients who want something a bit more exciting, a bit of growth. But uh, for those people who want sleep at night, core holding, maybe in a self-managed super fund, um, he can see the reasons for a hold. Uh, Michael, a no on CBA. Pentanet, the uh, the telco, a no on both. Uh, G8 Education, a no from Michael. Carl's a hold, but if it um, hits 98 cents, then that's time to exit. 
Um, Coles is uh, a hold from both. Carl prefers Woolies as against uh, Coles in the supermarket space. And Domino's a sell from Michael. Um, Carl's been tempted. He's got a hold at the moment. It's at a bit of a crossroads. If Domino's drops below $40.75, then get out. Um, but if it gets back to $50, um, then that could be the start of uh, some good buying opportunities. So um, they're our first five stocks that we've had a look at in this half hour. Uh, the second half hour of the call, we will be looking at Bigger Cheese, our Lottery Corporation, Infratil Zero. What a star that has been over six months. And also Centre Group. Um, Michael, um, Kurt wants a view on Bigger Cheese, the dairy group, but also uh, Australian owned, of course, and listed, but owns um, the Vegemite brand, Kraft mm-hmm. uh, Peanut Butter and the like. Yeah, so as much as this business tries to diversify away from what is really a commoditized product being, you know, milk and cheese and those sorts of things, um, it, it's, yeah, it's still very reliant on that. And they've faced serious cost pressures because the cost of milk's been very high, but the realization prices in the market have remained pretty low. So they haven't really been able to recoup some of those increased costs. Um, they also suffer from relying a lot on the Coles and Woolworths of this world. And and so far, you know, they haven't been able to really pass on their price increases to Coles and Woolworths, given some of the, the yeah, given some of the arrangements that are in place. So it's a tough business. Um, it's suffering as well from some of the things we've touched upon earlier, such as labor shortages um, so and, and inflationary pressures. So again, it's one of these companies where there's a lot of different variables at play and Bega is many ways caught in the middle of all of that um, in many ways as well, unable to control their, their destiny at times. So going to go a sell. Okay. Uh, Carl, Bega? Yeah, another inflation loser. I think Michael summed it up really well. They're a price taker on the milk that comes in that they process and then sell and of course then use to make some of their other products. I just, look, I think some of those uh, problems are going to ease, but I still just can't get excited about this one. Um, I will say something very unusual I saw in doing the research today, and I I have a a feed from Thomson Reuters uh, through their Refinity Vicon product, and it gives me the broker consensus uh, on a forward-looking basis. So I can see exactly what the brokers are expecting on earnings for this company. Not my numbers, broker numbers. There are 11 brokers covering this. Okay, and if we look at their earnings per share this year, we're expecting about nine cents. Next year, we're expecting sixteen cents. Hmm. That doesn't sound like much, does it? I mean, oh, from nine cents to sixteen cents, but that's a massive jump yeah, in earnings. And and that's FY twenty four, FY twenty five. Now we're up to twenty one, so we're going from sixteen to twenty one. That's another thirty percent growth. And then in FY twenty six they're going to 28 cents. That's another 30% growth. So if you look at a compound annual growth rate for the next three years for Bega, it's 46%. Wow. Wow. Like I, I knocked my socks off, fell off my chair. Now, I don't know what the brokers are on, but I tell you what, that it uh, it is crazy. Look, I'll, I'll leave it there. I have no idea. <laughs> they, had how they, achieve, they had a big achieve, drop off in the last growth. couple of years in, in earnings. Yeah. Right. And that's just due to some of that mismatch in timing, whereby they're having to pay really high milk costs at the moment, but they're not receiving right. the good sales prices in the supermarket. So they have like a 25, 30% drop. Yeah, but yeah. what are the brokers seeing in the future though? 
I, I think it's a, I think it's the realization prices of their cheese and things like that in the supermarkets are going to go up oh, to reflect the greater the milk costs. Well, yeah. Okay. If, but, if, 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 if it plays out, this is the cheapest stock in the history yeah. of mankind. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. The chart is the chart's the opposite. The chart says it's ho hum at best. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go sell. Yeah. The only. Um, <laughs> Going back to the Reserve Bank board bit, it's as if inflation is pushing expectations up so much and they can keep their costs below the inflation rate and yeah. just put the prices up mm. by inflation and make a margin. It's about the only reality, Michael. That's, that's, that's right. For the, next think, three years, for the next three years? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think so. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. It's never been a clear business to, to truly understand. To no, honest. okay. <laughs> Uh, that's code for uh, no, um, it's too Honest. complex on how they actually work it. Well, yeah, it's yeah, just the there's thing. so many different variables yeah, that go yeah, into yeah. it, and it's just they've got a lot of debt, but that was actually better than expected as well. So they got that to consider as well. Mm, okay, all right, uh, Carl uh, Neil wants to be on the Lottery Corporation was spun mm. out of uh, out of Tab Corp. Yeah, no, look. Um, yeah, that's the, they do your, your Powerball jackpots. We talked yep. about it a little while ago, didn't we? The accelerated jackpot sequences. That's, Koshy, that I, I, I meant to make a note of, of that. That's because uh, they got, um, which is basically fiddling with the uh, with the odds, is it? And they got permission to do that from the governments. Yeah, so you want um, people to not win so that the jackpot can go really, really big, really quickly. Yeah. So that everybody, you know, the once a year, I'm the once a year player, you know. But when I, I honestly, when I see it advertised and I go, oh, 160 million, I'm, I'm down there at the kiosk. I'll buy my slick pick, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that's me. So they got me, right? So that's, that's, and that's what they're going for. Um, so a lot of people go, oh, it's super defensive. You know, lotteries, defensive, uh, economy's good, economy's bad. People buy a lot of tickets. Maybe when the economy's bad, they'll buy a few more. Okay, I get it. But at the end of the day, it's still luck of the draw. And uh, I mean, figuratively speaking and literally speaking, they, they still need the numbers to go the right way to get these frequent jackpots to pull in people like me. Look, don't get me wrong. I, I do like the business and I do get the defensive nature of it, but it is trading at a huge defensive stock sleep at night valuation premium. So I like the business. But I'm not sure about the valuation, but the chart's good enough for me to call it a hold. So happy okay. holder here, no doubt about it. Charts right. bottom left, top right, no issues. Holder. Would I buy it here? Um, like I said, I think if the if this if we if we're at the at the at the cusp of a new bull market, I'm not sure how well some of these defensive names will go against some of the right place. That's okay. All right. Acceler accelerated jackpot sequencing. I've made a note of that because I was struggling with that uh, that algorithm or the official term for it, which is basically fiddling the odds. Um, <laughs> when it, it came up a couple of weeks ago, um, what do you reckon, Michael? Yeah, Carl summed it up pretty well. It's a very conservative business model. It's not really correlated with the overall business cycle. Uh, it's a company that should benefit from the inflationary environment with wage inflation and price inflation uh, and also the digitization um, of the, the lotteries business should help them over the long term. Um, the governments do like them. They generate about $1.7 billion in tax revenue yeah. for, the, for the government each year. So they're, they're, you know, they're on side with the government, which helps them. Um, Cha you know, change their change accelerated, their accelerated jackpot, jackpot sequencing because yeah. it means more tax. Because it means more tax. 
Um, so it's a good quality business, but very expensive at the moment. Right. Um, but happy to keep this one on the watch list for any sizable pullback. I think it's a good one to consider. Um, but the chart does look quite good. Um, probably one of the better quality businesses that we've had on the list today. Yeah. So if you're in it, hold it. But if you're in it, hold it. But I'm not money. in a rush to, to sort of jump in and, okay. and pile in. All right. Uh, our next stock is um, infrastructure stock. Andrew wants to know, uh, Michael, about Infratil. Uh, Andrew says, does it have the makings of an all-weather stock? Infratil um, is like a, a listed um, an LIC for um, infrastructure. Uh, uh, for infrastructure, so New Zealand based, isn't it? Yeah, New Zealand based. It's been a wonderful performer. Mm. Um, looking at the charts over a long period of time, and you look at the balance sheet and that doesn't necessarily show you um, how it's performed so well because it's quite a lumpy balance sheet. Obviously, there's a lot of complex transactions going through um, and, and realizations of profits, etc. But basically, they've got a couple of you know key investments going on at the moment. They've got a series of data centers being built. Um, they've also got you know um, projects going on in the renewable space and development of different pipelines. They also, I think, have a stake in the old Vodafone New Zealand, which is now called One New Zealand, um, and trying to sort of increase the coverage that's um, across the whole of the New Zealand countryside. Um, but it's a business that pays a very low dividend yield. The balance sheet's very inconsistent. Um, so you're really backing the management mm. of this company to really go out and do you some good deals yeah. if you're in an Infrastructure companies, though, generally have weird balance sheets. Yeah, that's, that's of right. Because of the accounting for... That's, for that's input, right. Which I can't figure out. But this is this is pretty much... You're not investing in this for a yield like you would right. for, say, a, a transurban trans or right. something along those okay. lines. This is very much whether or not management can realise capital gains from right. different infrastructure investments and developments that they're making. Um, so you've got to really have conviction and comfortability mm. with that management team. Okay. But to, to their credit, they seem to have done a wonderful job in, right. in recent years. I'm happy to go a hold. It's not a business we own. It's not a company I know a great deal about, but it seems like they've done a, a very mm. good job. Uh, Carl, after some pretty dodgy charts that we've had uh, so far this out, this one looks pretty good. Yeah, it's one of the better ones out there. I'd say maybe uh, TLC kind of maybe is as good. Yep. I know I'm using a lot of maybes there because yeah. none of them are, are, are lighting, you know, none of them are, are lighting the world on fire, right? Uh, let's, let's wait. Let's wait. That, let's wait for the next stock. But, yes. Okay, good. Uh, well done. Um, yeah, like, like Michael said, I, I think I can add anything to what Michael said. Data centers is a big part of what they're doing now. There's plenty of growth uh, and plenty of interest. Very frothy part of the market because, hey, Koshi, AI, right? Hashtag yeah. AI. One of the one of these sort of very very uh, down the down the track beneficiaries there, but I don't see a lot of um, heat or hotness or exponential in the in the charts. So I don't think it's um, you know it, it's moved so far that you know you need to be worried about it being overextended. I think it's just such a steady trend, like you like you said before, very boring, very sleep at night. The only thing that might turn you away if you want one of those sleep at night stocks, as Michael said, is the dividend yields. It's only about two percent. Um, again, I, it's 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 a bit boring for me. I'm going to go hold um, if that's what you're after. Infrastructure, sleep at night, maybe I don't know, find something with a better yield though. But I'll go hold. Okay, all right. Something that uh, 
that he's not boring and hasn't been boring over the last six months is zero. Gareth wants a view. Zero, the um, small business, software business that used to confound the markets because it never made a dollar of profit. Uh, share price kept going up. Then interest rates started to rise. And they're a classic example of management who just um, reflected the times, didn't they? They said, hey, those low interest rate days are gone. We're going to start making money and not putting so much into development. And boy, has the chart shown up. Yeah, well, that's that's what that's how these um, sort of uh, these what's it dis- disruptive businesses yeah, yeah. is that probably the right way to put it? Yeah. That's how they work. They, they 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 start by burning a lot of cash, but building up market share with a view at some stage. I mean, that's what um, uh, like even like Tesla is a good example. Just yeah. you know. Yeah, burn a lot of cash, build market share, and then start to convert once you've got the, that critical mass. And they're doing it, and they've you know, they've just had a just had a huge round of uh, price increases coming through, uh, which is I think the market's starting to see that yes, those prices are com- coming through, but the customers are so sticky, mm. their churn rate actually fell after that, which is uh, amazing. So you've got a business. It's a really, really good strategy, is it? Because they mainly target bookkeepers who um, then if you've got a bookkeeper on zero, you have to be on zero as a small business, sort of talking yep. from uh, um, from experience here as a small business owner. Um, and because the bookkeeper has so many of their clients on the one platform like this, um, it's just too hard to change. They're never going to move, Koshi. Yeah. That's it. Once you've got them, they are, unless, unless we get the most amazing AI, like, yeah. you know, Terminator 2-style bookkeeping software that comes out, I yeah. don't know. And yeah. maybe you could list that somewhere down the bottom of the fine print as a risk to zero, but I doubt it. Um, yeah, look, I, I, again, I love the business. Uh, uh, look, the chart, let's get, go to the technicals because it's one that suffered for a long time. And I reckon I popped up at Osby's probably. I do my Friday spots and yeah. my spots with Kyle during the week on the trade. And I probably called it uh, one of my best shorts actually if you go back to 2022 after the tech wreck yeah now that's it's a, it's a perfect traffic light system it was green went to amber went to red but they changed the other way and I think the future of dominoes could be here in this chart um, mm. so if you if you're owning dominoes for hope but James Hardy's done it we've had great success on that aristocrat a few of these other ones that have turned around that have done the same pattern different companies but ultimately, that's what technical analysis mm. is. It just comes to, down to demand, supply, and how it's changing. We, I started telling clients to buy this around the, the high 80s, uh, 90s in my webinars. I came on the, I came on uh, my Friday spots. I came on my my spots with Kyle, and I've given it to Osby's viewers. So hopefully, a bunch of people got got on in, in and around that zone. We're still buying it, actually, uh, based upon ah. the, the, this week's this week's webinar. We, we, we just added another, you know, because I like to get in in steps. So yep. I did the, yep. the old plus one third. Yep. So it's, it's sort of dollar cost averaging is sort of maybe one way to put it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say hold it if you've got it and still happy to add some here. Okay. All right. Um, it is um, has been a great run when the rest of the Australian tech se- sector, a lot of it, apart from the premiums like Technology One and Wise Tech and Aristocrat have all got up, not by as much, but most tech, tech stocks are down, aren't they? Yeah, sort of the unprofitable growth, um, high multiple type businesses have all struggled. And Zero was caught up in this. It's a business that we'd held um, for a long time. We sold out at the around the beginning of last year, not too far above today's prices. Uh, some clients still still do hold it and have held it for a long time. It's a very 
high quality business and they did an incredible <coughs> job in growing um, as you touched upon rather than sort of trying to sign up individuals one at a time they went out to the big accounting groups and mm. got the accountants <coughs> on board and rolled over thousands of customers at once um, and it was all on very low prices initially and year after year they were able to increase prices and retain yeah. their customers so they've dominated in Australia and New Zealand basically usurped MYOB as the, the big accounting software that was out there or hardware that was out there yep. at the time. Um, and then looking to replicate that in the UK where they're having some very good success and also to the US to some extent. They've now, it took them I think 10 years to get their first million subscribers. Now they've got three and a half million. So they've grown exponentially, keep growing quite nicely. Australia and New Zealand's a bit more mature that market, getting subscriber growth around 15%. They're growing okay um, overseas, but the market I still think wants to, to see more right. of that. And that's where you got some of the disappointment last year. And I think that's starting to reverse a little bit at the moment because some of those numbers were a, a bit better than expected in the recent update. Um, but yeah, look, any business where you're able to increase prices and not lose customers is very attractive. But I think the market wants to see revenue, not only driven by price increases, but from continued subscriber growth Price, numbers. Particularly in the UK and US. So I'm happy to give this one a buy and a recovery buy. Yep. Um, but yeah, just do keep in mind that it's still very expensive, but you're also a lot cheaper than it used to be. It's now free cash flow positive. Um, however, you want to keep seeing those subscriber numbers continue okay. to grow at 20% plus. All right. Uh, final stock um, is Centre Group uh, to kick us off the uh, old Westfield shopping centres here in Australia. Tim wants a view on that, Michael. Uh, would yep. you be getting into retail shopping centres at the moment? Probably not at the moment, although Centre Group's numbers, looking back on 12 months ago, have been pretty good. Yep. It's, but the big question, obviously, is going forward, what happens there? Um, they've done a fairly good job in changing with the market tastes and fashions, reducing their reliance on retail, fashion retailers, and more sort of about experiences and restaurants and those things now. So they are a bit more insulated um, in regards to the coming downturn in, in retail um, in, in to some extent, but I don't think it's a, a place you want to be. And even if we weren't in a high interest rate, high inflation environment, it's probably not a space that we're too yeah. attracted to in any case. Okay. Um, uh, Carl, I must admit, sort of Wednesday morning is my gym day and I walk from uh, through the city here to Osbys and through the mid-city centre and a few of those retail areas. Boy, the number of shops that are vacant now is, oh. I've, I've never seen it like it before. I can't, well, shop after yeah, I mean, shop. <laughs> I, mean, I know that, look, that's anecdotal. I'll give you yeah, yeah. my anecdotal experience. Oh, I mean, it's still gangbusters over here in, in Perth. Actually, maybe that's a Perth thing, Yeah, but you know, shops are always it's a, packed. But so it's always, always better in Perth though. Ah, oh, the sun's shiny, uh, the air's fresher. We've got all the iron ore, Koshi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want more? Yeah, you're yeah. carrying the country on your back. Pay oh, for, pay for the goods with iron yeah, ore, yeah, yeah. clumps of iron ore in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so would you be well, in Centre Group? Uh, not, not based on the chart, no. I right. think the valuation's quite fair, though. And I think, I, I'm going to say most of the bad stuff is behind them now. I really do think that. But the, the chart doesn't suggest to me that it's a place I want to be just yet. So okay. I can see if that turns around, I could go with it, but it's just not there. So look, buy, hold, sell, uh, buys off the table. I'm going to just squeak in at a hold. It's a oh. little bit like uh, the G, uh, G one. 
Yeah. Yeah. So let me just give you the level that you do want to just not be in it anymore. I'd say if it closes beneath, say, 250, you've given it enough time. It's not working. Okay. All right. I'll make a note of that. Uh, Let's recap the uh, the final five stocks. Um, Bigger sell from both. Carl and Michael, a hold for Lottery Corp. Infratil, a hold from both. Uh, Zero, a buy from both. And uh, Centre Group, a uh, no from Michael and a hold from Carl. Uh, I'm only joking to Carl because I have uh, have three grandchildren and a daughter and son-in-law all living in Perth and loving it. They're making us jealous, Carl. So uh, <laughs> good, to, good to see you, mate. Thanks for joining us today. Always fun. Thanks for having me. Michael Wayne from Medallion, go and have a good lie down after the <laughs> after the Ashes no, All Nighter. Back up again for tonight and look forward to the oh, next the test. state of origin, yeah. exactly. All right, mate, good to see you. Uh, that's it for us. If you've got any stocks you'd like me to put to our expert panels, uh, go to osbiz.co slash callpicks or tweet us at osbiztv. And uh, more of Osbiz after this. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.